is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Welcome, it is the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one, Mark Levin, tonight, and it's nice to have you with us. When I was a kid, there were people in my family that used to laugh at what, how, how predictable it was what I was going to be for Halloween. My father was a police officer, and all I wanted to be during Halloween, year after year after year, was a cop. I wanted to be a police officer. I had no doubt in my mind when I was a little kid I was going to grow up and I was going to be a police officer. I thought it was incredible. The idea of going out there and getting the bad guys, protecting and serving, putting your life on the line to protect your fellow man. Year after year, Halloween after Halloween, my parents just laughed like there was no even discussion about what I was going to be. It was just... I got to wear my dad's badge. They made a little shirt with real patches on it that looked like my dad's uniform. I wanted to be my dad. My goal was to be a police officer. My backup was to be a fighter pilot because of Top Gun the movie. Those were my goals in life. That was it. Now, I wasn't the only one as a young person that wanted to be a police officer. All of my friends... Wanted to be what? Policemen, firemen. That's what you dressed up as. That's what you want to be because we held police and fire at a higher level in society than other people. There was a genuine protect and serve mentality. It was an honorable profession. It was a profession of sacrifice. You weren't going to get rich doing it. And the chances that you didn't come home have gotten higher and higher, as we all know too well in this country. Now, I have three boys. And I will tell you right now, if any one of my three boys came to me right now and said, Daddy, I want to be a police officer when I grow up, you know what I'd tell them? No, you don't. It's not worth it. Not right now. Not in the society that we live in today. We live in a society where people don't respect police. They don't respect fire. They don't respect people with a badge. They don't respect the people that sacrifice. They don't respect our troops. They don't respect the men and women that they beg to come when they need them desperately, whether it's at a house fire, whether it's trapped in a car, whether it's when someone's drowning, whether it's when you're sick, because there are people in this country that have dehumanized and demonized police officers. They have demonized people that are willing to sacrifice their lives to protect yours. We have seen the dehumanization of police in this country as well. Where now we have Black Lives Matter where they chant things like, what do we want? Dead cops. When do we want them now? Pigs in a blanket. Fry them like bacon. Chants like F the police have been chanted at Black Lives Matter rallies all over the country. We have seen Democrats jump on board the defund the police movement. Yes, we've had votes to defund the police, to actually shut them down, to dismantle the police in Minneapolis. And now we see that when any police officer makes a mistake, we see the left immediately turn on them and want to, them to burn at the stake. It's like it's revenge. 
for all the bad police officers that have done bad things in society. Now, let me also be clear. I don't think that police officers are all saints either. Do I believe that there's such a thing as a bad cop? Yes. Do I believe that there are people in every profession that are bad people, including pastors? Yes. Doctors? Yes. Do I believe the majority of them should be indicted because the actions of very few? No. But the left sure as hell does. Which brings me to Kim Potter. Kim Potter is a police officer that served her community in the same community where they defunded one to dismantle, disband the police department. She was a police officer in Minnesota. She was a police officer in a place that was pretty dangerous. Kim Potter mistakenly drew her handgun instead of her taser during a traffic stop in April in which she fatally shot Dante Wright. Dante Wright was fighting back. Dante Wright was not complying with the police. Dante Wright put everybody's life in danger, including his own. Jurors have been deliberating since Monday about Potter's fate. She served as an officer in the Brooklyn Center, Minneapolis, Minnesota, I should say, for 26 years. They were going to decide if she was innocent or guilty. Guilty of first degree, second degree, or manslaughter charges in the death of Wright. Potter winced when the verdict was read, but otherwise appeared not to react. That verdict has come down, and this is what it sounded like in the courtroom. Uh, would Miss Potter please rise? I'm now going to read your verdicts as it will as it will appear in the permanent court records of Hennepin County in the matter of state of Minnesota versus Kimberly Potter court file number 27 CR 21 7490 we the jury on the charge of manslaughter in the first degree while committing a misdemeanor on or about April 11, 2021, in Hennepin County, State of Minnesota, find the defendant guilty. And the verdict was agreed to at the hour of 11.40 a.m. and signed by the jury person on 12-23-21. On uh, the verdict on count two is we, the jury, on the charge of manslaughter in the second degree, culpable negligence on or about April 11, 2021, in Hennepin County, State of Minnesota, find the defendant guilty. And that verdict was agreed to at 10.30 a.m. on 12-21-21. Members of the jury, is this your true and correct verdict? So say you one, and so say you all. Yes. Yes. Kim Potter found guilty on all charges in Dante Wright's death. The part about this story that irritates me the most, that makes me the most angry, is the fact that whether Potter had intended to draw her taser or handgun was, quote, not an issue in the trial. Lawyers for both sides agreed that she mistakenly drew the wrong weapon. In fact, on the body cam video, you can hear her saying, taser, taser, taser. And then the gun goes off. Instead, they said the trial centered on questions of whether she should have recognized she was holding the heavier metal gun or whether she should have drawn any weapon at all. 
Potter is now scheduled to be sentenced on February the 18th. The state sentencing guidelines recommend a sentence of roughly seven years for the first-degree charge and four years for the second-degree charge, though prosecutors indicated they would seek a longer sentence. You may remember who the guy is, the attorney general in Minnesota. He's a hardcore lefty, an anti-cop attorney general by the name of Keith Ellison. This guy is going to make his career off of putting police officers in jail. He said accountability is not justice after the verdict was read. Justice is restoration. Justice would be restoring Dante to life and making the right family whole again, he added. Let me say this. Accidents happen. Should there be accountability for accidents? Sometimes. Sometimes the accountability is knowing for the rest of your life that you took someone's life and made a mistake. But at the same time, there should also be accountability in a different context. Here's an idea. Let's not fight the police. Here's another idea. Let's not resist arrest. Here's another idea. As my father told me a long time ago, and every parent should be having this conversation with their child tonight. You don't negotiate with the police. That we have lawyers and a court system for that part. My dad told me, and he was a police officer, I don't care what's going on. When the police tell you to do something, you do it. Because when you don't, you put your life at risk. And the lives of others around you at risk. You don't flinch. You always do that. He told me, we have a justice system for a reason. And that justice system says you have the right to a jury trial of your peers. You have the right to appear before a judge. You have the right to an attorney. You have the right to remain silent so that you don't incriminate yourself. There is no reason to negotiate with a police officer. If more people took that advice, fewer people would have to deal with what we're looking at today. I'll say something else about this that I think is the scariest part, and that's this. I would not let my children become police officers now. I would advise against it, and I would mean it. It's not worth it. There are too many liberal prosecutors in America today that will get street credit for prosecuting police officers. This is how extreme the left has gotten. And the left doesn't care about your life. Look at the Chicago mayor coming out now begging the federal government to send federal agents into Chicago to help her. Lori Lightfoot is now begging for police to be sent or for federal agents to be sent to her city. Now, why is she doing that now? Because now things have gotten so out of control. Things have gotten so out of hand that she has no other choice because it's starting to affect her poll numbers. This is the same woman that said hell no when the same exact people were offered to come into Chicago and help under Donald Trump's administration. Don't forget that. This is the same woman that said you're not welcome here and referred to those agents as undercover evil agents. But now she's saying, we've got a problem. We've got a problem, and I need help of the Biden administration, and I need them to come in, and I need them to send agents right away. I need them to help us out. 
She had a big 42-minute press conference. And at that press conference, she pleaded for help. Now, here's the part that people don't understand. Lightfoot, the same agent she's now pleading to come into her country, this, or into her city, the same agents that would have come into her city under Donald Trump. Probably 99% of them still have the same job. What happened? Why were they bad last year, but they're not bad this year? These are the officers who are turning their backs on the mayor because this mayor went woke. This mayor went anti-police. This mayor supported the people that chant, what do we want dead cops when we want them now? Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. F the police. She's the one that backed them. Service over self. A lot of sacrifice. Her mother said it, that she loved the job. Um, There was a lot of emotion running that night. There were hundreds of officers who were there. I met and talked to many of them. And there was a lot of emotion from the range of the spectrum from total despair to... That's how she responded, by the way, politically to the officers turning their backs on her after the killing of an officer. Ella French, there's a name you should remember. She said there was a lot of emotion. I talked to a bunch of them. They didn't want to talk to her. Oh, no. So she's now pleading for help from the federal government while she's also doing something else. Talking about COVID and saying that COVID is the real reason why things are out of control. This is the same woman who also said we don't want $80 million in our budget to fight crime in Chicago when she went to defund the police. Now, what is she saying? And I think this very difficult week has told us that we need to do a lot more to increase the resources devoted to the health and wellness of our police officers. Then why did you cut $80 million? Why did you try to defund the police? Why did you go all woke? What changed? Is it only the poll numbers? Because it's not about her caring about you. It's clearly not you caring about the people. It's about you. If you cared about the people, then maybe you would have said something different than what you're saying right now. Crime is out of control in this country. We have demonized the people you're now begging to come in. You've demonized the people that are trying, that that you now need their help from. You've dehumanized them. You've turned them into the villain. And now all of a sudden you want to change the narrative? You want to change the ball game? You want to flip things? Uh-uh. I don't blame any cop that quits right now. I really don't. I don't blame any police officer that says, I'm out. I don't blame anybody that tells their kids now, don't become a police officer. It's not worth it. Because if you have one accident, they will burn you at the stake. Because the left hates you. The left despises you. Quick break. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. 
It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. I'm really hoping the great one right now is out Christmas shopping for all of his favorite fill-in hosts during the holidays. Is that it, Mr. Producer? Is that what's happening right now? Okay, good. He said, of course, that's what's happening. Welcome back. It's the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson, filling the great one. Mark Levin, I do a podcast. And if you listen to podcasts, please download. I'd love to keep up with you that way. I want to get back to Chicago and Lightfoot for a second. This woman's now begging for help. The same people that she demonized when Trump offered help to get crime under control in Chicago. And there's a Chicago pastor and an activist who has blasted Lori Lightfoot, setting the record straight about what this woman's really done to his city. Do you see a connection between the mayor's rhetoric where she wanted them to essentially uh, take $80 million out of the police department budget with what we're seeing on the streets of Chicago today. Yeah, Steve, I'm on the roof uh, to bring attention and awareness to violence, but also to raise as much money as I can to uh, build a community center to fight the violence. And I do believe that um, all the talk about defunding the police has added to the morale. I do believe that uh, it has impacted um, the police dramatically. If anything, we do we don't need to defund the police. We need to um, fund them more, especially our detectives, where they're uh, overwhelmed and overloaded with uh, cases uh, that they're having problems solving because there's not enough of them to do the work. So we definitely need to make the investment in our police department. What a novel idea. Crime's out of control and we need to invest in our police departments. She wanted to take $80 million away. But now she says, oh, hold on, I'm not anti-police. I'm not anti-police at all. Really? I want to get your phone calls, your reaction to this about face. 1-877-381-3811. 1-877-381-3811. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Your reaction to all this coming up. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Mark Levin, radio's hell-raising intellectual. Call now, 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back. It is the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one. Nice to have you with us uh, tonight. We're talking about crime in America and the Kim Potter story. Kim Potter, I want to go back to her for a moment because she's been found guilty of manslaughter and the death of Dante Wright. You look at crime all over the country right now, and you look at these different mayors, and you look at the different people that are in charge, 
and they went for an entire year hardcore anti-police. Really, not, not, not just a year, two years. Let's just be honest. And they did it for politics. They did it to get votes. They did it to demonize somebody so that you would be afraid of them. And the people they wanted you to be afraid of were the police. They wanted you to believe they're all evil racists. Even if it's black on black. Even if it's a black officer arresting a black man or woman. They didn't care. That's an Uncle Tom. And any white person arrests anybody that's black. Got to be racist. Can't be an actual criminal committing a crime. Can't be that we look at people just based on their actions and not based on the color of their skin. Because they needed this in the election. Democrats get elected off of racism. Democrats get elected off telling you that everybody is racist except for them. That's what Democrats do. And they said the new racists are the police. And then they decided to do this new insane idea. We're going we're gonna to have police reform and then we're going to dismantle police departments. But that's not enough. We're now going to change the way that we do bail. And we're going to have bail reform so that you don't even have to post any bail to get out of jail. Because bail all of a sudden became racist out of nowhere. Because white people can get out of jail easier than black people can get out of jail until their trial. So that became racist. And they said we need prison reform because prison reform is racist because you're really just trying to, you're, you're trying to, you know, put people in prison that are only black. And you're trying to lock them up because they're black and everything's racist. And it worked. It got them elected. Congratulations. Who cares if people die because of their peddling this racism and demonizing the police? Who cares if police are quitting left and right? Who cares if, if crime skyrockets in these liberal cities? Because it's not doing it in conservative cities, right? Because in conservative cities, we still love and appreciate and support the police. We don't give them a free pass, but we do hold them accountable when they're bad cops. But we embrace the good ones and we know the majority of them are good. And now Democrats have this problem because there is crime out of control. You know how bad it is in liberal cities? Take a listen to California. ABC 7 in San Francisco. This is not a Saturday Night Live skit I'm going to play for you. This is a real report live from an actual reporter. ABC 7 telling you now what you have to do when you live in these areas of California just to make sure that your car doesn't get broken into. Yeah, Brandy, this shows how bad the problem is and how desperate some shoppers are getting. We're seeing this primarily up in the Bay Area. People are literally leaving the trunks of their cars open or the hatch on their SUV open. And the idea is that thieves will see there's nothing worth taking in the car and they won't be smashing windows and rummaging through vehicles. And uh, that may be one answer. But the, the downside, of course, is it also makes it really easy to steal somebody's car. Wow, we're in different times. That's uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, we're in different times. This is a former San Francisco Police Department def- deputy chief, Garrett Tom, who just said we're in different times. You think it's unbelievable that people are now just saying all my car windows, leave them down. Here's the hatchback. It's open. Please don't steal anything. I know you might steal my car, but at least you won't break out another one of my windows. Welcome to San Francisco. Where, what did they do? They went defund the police. And if they leave their trunk open, uh, you know, some cars, depending on what kind of car you have, you still can get inside to the interior. What are you, wait, 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 you can still get inside into the interior? I, thank you, Captain Obvious, for that. Brilliant analysis there. 
Imagine living in a city where it's so dangerous you leave the back of your car open just so someone can get in your car so they don't break your window because the probability of having your window smashed out right now is that high. By the way, they got bail reform there. They got prison reform there. They got to abolish the police there. They got defund the police there. Welcome to the hometown of Nancy Pelosi. That's a real local report I just played for you. Here's another one. Another liberal city, Las Vegas. Fox 5, Las Vegas, talks about their new senseless, vicious crime at a restaurant. Well, for the first time, we are getting a look at the man restaurant manager say shot an employee several times while he was cleaning up early Monday morning. Now, this photo was provided to Fox 5 from surveillance camp footage at Shanghai Taste in Chinatown. And the restaurant is calling this a senseless, vicious crime as one of their employees, Chen Yin Wang, is currently recovering in a valley hospital after being shot seven times. Seven times. We got to defund the police there. Hell yeah. We got liberals in charge of the city. Yep. Sure do. The first thing from the police officer, the lead police officer's mouth was, if this was me, I wouldn't have survived it. And it was pretty brutal. The restaurant says that the attacker entered the business through a back door, which may have been uh, which may have been broken into or accidentally left unlocked. They say that the man started firing at Wang near the counter area of the restaurant before taking off. Shanghai Taste was closed yesterday. No word yet on when they plan to reopen, but when it does, the restaurant tells us that they plan to offer some sort of financial help for that employee to help cover his medical bills. Seven times. Welcome to liberal America. This is what happens. Lindsey Graham, by the way, losing it, slamming Nancy Pelosi because she's acting like there's not a crime problem in America. And I just told you what's happening in San Francisco where she's supposed to live. Not really sure she does, but she's supposed to live there, right? At least that's where she gets her hair done. I say that if you don't understand what's going on in America regarding cl- uh, crime, you probably shouldn't be Speaker of the House. Uh, at the at the end of the day, I mean, you don't need to be Sherlock Holmes to figure this out. Recidivism rates are through the roof. In 2020, we declared war on the cops. Right. The liberal left tried to destroy policing as we know it. We have revolving doors when it comes to bail. We're eliminating cash bail. So criminals believe they're not going to go to jail and stay in jail. When they wipe out a store, come in and just wipe everything out, nobody goes to jail. So what's happened here is that between trying to destroy policing and being soft on crime, you've lost control of crime. And it's time to take the car keys away from the Democratic Party. There you go. That's the Democratic Party. Lindsey Graham's right, by the way. These people are the ones that did this on purpose. This carnage happened on purpose. You now have the San Francisco mayor calling for a crackdown on crime, saying we're going to be forced to be less tolerant because of what's happened. Less tolerant? So you guys admit that you screwed this up? It's time that the reign of criminals who are destroying our city, it is time for it to come to an end. And it comes to an end when we take the steps to be more aggressive with law enforcement, more aggressive with the changes in our policies. Hold on a second. This is the same San Francisco mayor who has defund the police, 
the same San Francisco mayor that attacked the police for the last year, the same San Francisco mayor that said we need bail reform where people could get out of, out of jail after committing crimes with zero dollars put down. This is the same woman that advocated for people not being charged for crimes with BLM, and now she says she wants to get tough on crime? With law enforcement, more aggressive with the changes in our policies. You want to get more aggressive? Man, these people are starting to sound like conservatives at this point. And less tolerant of all the that has destroyed our city. Oh, yeah. And, and I love it. I love it when they cuss. That's my favorite. That's when you really know they're mad, right? Yeah, when you, yeah, I'm the, I'm the San Francisco mayor that went defund the police, anti-police rhetoric. I'm the one that would go on TV and, and, and talk about how bad the American, you know, how bad things are and how bad the police are. And I hear you and I understand you and Black Lives Matter and we're going to have riots and protests and we're not going to put people in jail. And now you want to cuss to act like you're tough on crime. Of all the that has destroyed our city. Yeah. Well, maybe when maybe maybe she figured it out. Okay, people are leaving their trunks of their cars open. They're leaving the backs of their SUVs open. They're rolling their windows down, putting signs up saying, "There's nothing in here that you want. The car is empty. Please don't break my window." And now she wants to start cussing, and she's mad. Yeah, yeah, she's mad now. Now, if that's not the good enough answer for you, just know that most politicians are now saying that when it comes to crime, it's all based on covid they're blaming covid for this crime is spiking in major cities and as it's spiking in major cities now the same people that went woke are now being carjacked at gunpoint and i'm not wishing this on them i want to make that clear okay i want to make i i don't think that crime is political when it's happening to you But the fact is, two Democratic lawmakers were carjacked at gunpoint, and now all of a sudden, the left is like, whoa, there's a problem with crime. Were you not paying attention? Now to America's crime crisis. Two Democrat lawmakers who have called for police reform in the past are carjacked just hours apart. Marianne Rafferty is live as we learn more about this story. Good morning, Marianne. Good morning, Ashley and Ben. Well, two Democrats who wanted to defund police were both carjacked at gunpoint within hours of each other in two different states. Pennsylvania Congresswoman Mary Gay Scanlon had just left a meeting near a park in Philadelphia when she was held at gunpoint by two black men, according to police, who demanded her keys and took off. Five people were later caught driving her vehicle by state police in Delaware and arrested. Scanlon releasing a statement. The Congresswoman was physically unharmed. She thanks the Philadelphia Police Department for their swift response and appreciates the efforts of both the sergeant-at-arms in D.C. and her local police department. Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney also tweeting, everyone deserves to feel safe in our city, and sadly, that hasn't always been the case this year. It's disheartening and infuriating the criminals feel emboldened to commit such a reckless crime in the middle of the day. And the stats back up the mayor's sentiment. There have been 540 murders so far this year. That's up 13% from last year, and just under 4,000 shootings. That's a 5% increase over a year. Now, despite the uptick, Philadelphia leaders have denied there's a crime problem. There is not a big spike in crime. That is not true. There is also not. I, I love this, right? Right? The, you got the you got Larry. What, what's his name? Larry Kastner, I think. He's the Democrat Philadelphia district attorney. He's like, there's not a crime problem. 
Uh, it's one of the worst years on record, if not the worst year on record. And you want me to, and you're breaking records in different categories of crime. And then you come out on TV on December the 6th, and you're like, there's not a problem with crime. This is how little respect they have for the, their constituents. Now, I will say part of this is on the left. Part of this is on the voters that keep voting these morons into office. Part of it is your fault. It's on you. Okay, a lot, actually not part. All of it is. You guys keep reelecting these people because they, they race bait you and they sucker you in and they tell you the cops are the bad guy and then you go, yeah, the cops are the bad guys. Cops are the bad guys. Then all of a sudden you have a problem and what do you do? You dial 911. Here's my thing. If you want to defund the police, fine. Then deactivate 911. Seriously. You hate the cops. You don't trust the cops. You don't want to be a part of the cops. That's fine. Defund. The, I, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. You turn it off where you cannot call the police. If you want to defund the police, okay, if you want to get rid of the police, then don't call them when you need help. That's all I'm asking. Don't act like, don't, don't, don't all of a sudden call 911 and go, help me, somebody's breaking into my home. That is, that, that is what irritates me, is when people say stupid stuff like that, like, oh, I want to defund the police, I'll help, somebody got shot, call 911. Can't have it both ways, folks. Pick. Either you back them and support them, or you don't. If you don't, then you shouldn't ever, ever call them and ever ask them for help. Call me old-fashioned. I'm sick and tired of these people destroying this country. Which brings me back to my core point that I was making at the very beginning of this conversation. You look at this conviction of Kim Potter and you've got to ask yourself, why would anyone in their right mind right now in America want to become a police officer? Why would anyone want to sign up to protect and serve knowing that these prosecutors like Ellis connected to Obama on the left want to watch you burn? Think about it. one 381 3811 Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one. Make sure you grab my podcast, Ben Ferguson Podcast. Love to keep up with you that way. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Welcome back. It is the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one today. Nice to be with you. And I have a serious question for you. Do you think that Kim Potter, who has now been found guilty of manslaughter in the death of Dante Wright, should have been convicted? That former Minnesota police officer who mistakenly drew her handgun instead of her taser during that traffic stop in April in which she fatally shot Dante Wright, has been found guilty. She is going to go to prison for a long time. This officer served in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, for 26 years. Guilty of first and second degree manslaughter charges in the, in the death of Wright. Now, even in both sides said in the trial, they, they admit they, it was an accident. 
She grabbed the wrong weapon. She yelled, taser, taser, taser. And then heard the gun go off, and she knew it immediately. But is this a woman that deserves to go to prison for a long time for that accident? Five or 800 number, one 381 3811 Let me go to Tim in Las Vegas. Welcome. You are on the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in. Hi. Hey, Ben. Uh, I, I think this uh, policewoman has every every year coming to her that she's going to get. I mean, she killed a guy, man. You don't think that there's any reason to look at the aspect of grab the wrong weapon, screen, yelled taser, taser, taser. No, you don't think accidents happen in life. There is ultimate accountability. So I, I think accidents happen, but I, I think in this case, you know, when she took a she took a poor guy's life, you know, I, I think she has every year coming to her, and, and especially as a police officer, I think she probably uh, maybe should have known better. You know what I mean? Like when you have um, the body camera video and you see that this guy's resisting arrest and he put everyone in, in a heightened situation, and you see them warning him over and over again to comply, and then she's forced to grab what she thought was her taser. You think she should be treated like the same way that someone that walks out there and just shot you while you're pumping gas at a gas station? I don't. I don't know. If I would say that, but I. She well, well but she is. And, and she Tim, should. hold on. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that during the break, because that is how we are treating her. Hold on, Tim. I'll come back. It's Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one. Mark Levin will be right back. here now broadcasting from the underground command post deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building we've once again made contact with our leader mark levin why would anybody want to be in law enforcement in 2021 or really coming up in the new year 2022 That is my question tonight after seeing what we have done to the police in this country. Kim Potter has now been found guilty of manslaughter in the death of Dante Wright. This is a woman that served her community for 26 years. Found guilty of first and second degree manslaughter charges in the death of Wright. If you don't remember this story, uh, this story is a pretty simple one. Potter, the police officer, sobbed while recalling the shooting. She said she was so sorry for what happened. Potter intended to draw her taser. She unfortunately drew her handgun. Now, whether Potter had intended to draw her taser or handgun was not even the issue in the trial because lawyers for both sides agreed, yes, she mistakenly drew the wrong weapon. Instead, prosecutors said the trial centered on the question of whether she should have recognized she was holding the heavier metal gun or whether she should have drawn any weapon at all. She's now going to spend a significant portion of her life in jail. Sentencing guidelines recommend a sentence of roughly seven years for the first degree charge and four years for the second degree charge. Prosecutors indicate, though, they want to seek a longer sentence because they want to make it hurt. Now, a lot of people don't understand the context of this trial, so I'm going to give it to you quickly. The deadly confrontation happened on April the 11th. It began when Potter, together with Anthony Lucky, a new officer she was training that day, 
pulled over right a 20-year-old man. He had expired license tabs and dangling air freshener on his rearview mirror. The stop escalated when police realized that Wright, although he was not armed, was wanted for arrest for failing to appear in court on a weapons charge. At that point, you know this guy, it could be dangerous, right? He's got a weapons charge. He fails to appear in court for it. As Officer Anthony Lucky attempted to arrest and handcuff Wright, Wright wiggled away and got back into his car. At that point, you have to assume that he could be armed and dangerous based on the weapons charge against him. Footage recorded by the body camera worn by the officers and a dashboard camera in the squad car, which was playing for jurors during the trial, capture the final chaotic moments, keyword chaotic moments of Wright's life. I'm going to tase you, Potter shouted, but in her right hand was a Glock 9mm pistol. Not the bright yellow taser that remained holstered on her left side. Five seconds later, she yelled, taser, 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 then fired a single round in the right side. He was pronounced dead on the scene. The footage also shows the imme- that immediately after the immediate aftermath of the shooting in which Potter appeared shocked. She gasped and said, I grabbed the wrong blanking gun before collapsing to the curb with her head in her hands. Liberal prosecutors that are in Minnesota wanted to nail this cop. There is no such thing as an accident when it's a police officer. Why? Because we have gone defund and anti-police, dehumanized the police, and have actually turned the police into the worst people in the world. Prosecutors, including Ellis, who has direct ties to Obama, say that she should have known the difference. Prosecutors, again, did not dispute that the shooting was an accident. But they said that in her 26 years on the force, Potter had undergone extensive firearm and taser training, including how to avoid confusing the two. They turned to use of force experts and the police department's policy handbook to argue that the use of a taser was inappropriate to begin with. She drew a deadly weapon. She aimed it. She pointed it at Dante Wright's chest and she fired. So the assistant attorney general, Aaron Eldridge, said during the state's closing arguments. This was no little oopsie. This was not putting the wrong date on a check. This was not entering the wrong password somewhere. This was a colossal screw-up, a blunder of epic proportions, the prosecutor stated. It was precisely the thing she had been warned about for years, and she had been trained to prevent it. Her attorneys called what happened a mistake, not a crime. Potter's defense team argued that Wright had caused his own death by ignoring police orders and attempting to escape. Because of that, they said Potter should not be held criminally liable. This is a mistake. It's not a crime. The attorney for the police officer told the jurors in the closing argument. In the walk of life, nobody's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. Some of those mistakes are small mistakes, but some of them are very serious. Doesn't matter because cops now are the worst people in the world because Democrats have said so. And when you can finally nail one and throw them in jail, they want to do it. I don't know why anybody wants to be a police officer in this country right now. I would argue at this point, it's literally not worth it. I love police. My dad is law enforcement lifer. When I was a kid, all I wanted to be was a police officer. 
I got three boys now, and if they came to me and said they want to be a police officer, I would beg for them not to do it. And if they were going to do it, I'd tell them, you better be in a place where they're pro-police, and you better be in a place where the DA isn't trying to rack up victories against police officers. Like Ellis. one 381 3811 one 381 3811 I want to get your thoughts on this. Let me go to John on line five in Tucson, Arizona. Welcome. You are on the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one. Hello. Hey, Ben. How are you doing today? Uh, look, I'm a 29-year retired law enforcement officer myself, and uh, I have mixed emotions about this. I have to tell you, when I first saw this on TV and heard about it, I was just I was shocked. You know, I, my first thought was, how the heck can you know she do that? How could she grab the wrong weapon and not know she was doing it? You know, my first thought was it's a training issue. As things evolve, you know, I mean, as a 29 year law enforcement officer, I, I understand exactly and I agree with what you're saying here about about the demonization of the police and how they, you know, painted us all the same brush. At the same time, we can't go too far the other way. And there has to be accountability. Yes, it was a mistake. I, I'm not I'm not saying that there shouldn't be accountability, but to treat this woman like she's a murderer, like she walked into a gas station, just blew somebody away and robbed them. That's my problem with this. And that is exactly how the state treated her. The state treated her like she was a murderer, someone that went out with the intent to murder and take a life that day that she did it deliberately on purpose. And they're going to portray it that way. That's that's, that's what prosecutors do these days. Manslaughter, manslaughter could be the appropriate charge. If nothing, at least it was extreme gross negligence involved. You know, I mean. But let me not... let me let me ask you this, and and you may you're in law enforcement. What gun do you carry? It was a forty caliber or H and K. All right. So, does your is that your official service weapon? Yes, it was at the time. Yes, I'm retired okay. now, but yes, it was. Did you have a safety on your gun? No, I did not. The reason why, and a lot of people don't know this, I'm a gun guy. Um, I own a gun store. I own a gun range. I own a gun academy for training. Do you know why police departments were buying weapons for decades without safeties on them? Do you know why? When you pull it, when you draw that weapon and you use it, you don't want to have to take time to turn that safety off. You need to, you need to act immediately. And have, well, have, have well, let me, let me explain it a little differently. The reason why is because they found out that no matter how much training you gave police officers, in that moment of that intense moment of life and death, where there's a fight, where there's a chase, whatever it may be, just like we witnessed in the story that we saw with Kim Potter, that police officers, no matter how much training, there was always that possibility of human error And they found out that too many times police officers would go to pull the trigger and the gun wouldn't fire and it would cost them their life. My point is, that's an accident that happens that costs you your own life. They're admitting that police officers are human, that there's human error involved. And that human error, that moment can cost you your life, right? Not the life of somebody else. It's because they realized that in those moments, there are some X factors. So they wanted to take away the possibility that police officers were going to be gunned down because they forgot no matter how much training they had had to flick that safety down. That's why they went to Glocks and Six.
That's why they had those Berettas that didn't have the safety on them. And that's why they did it. My point is they admitted, and everybody admitted in training, there was human error. In the stressful moments, that safety could actually cost you your life. My point is this was a mistake. It was an accidental shooting. It should be treated like that. She should not be treated like she's a murderer. And if the new standard to be a police officer is perfection or you're charged with murder, why is anyone going to sign up? She's been perfect for 26 years, and we didn't take any. There's no accountability for the person that is running from the police, assaulting the police, fighting the police, who is wanted on weapons charges. There's zero accountability for that. I mean, there is there there should be at least taken into consideration here the situational aspect of this. They didn't know if this person was armed. You would have to assume once you saw that there was a warrant for his arrest in the computer, and that's why they tried to take him into custody, that this person would be armed based on the weapons charges. You'd have to assume that for your own safety. Can we agree on that? Yes, I absolutely agree with that. Yes, absolutely. Well, if we start, if we, if we start, if we start saying to recruits, when you sign up, we want you to be clear. You are a murderer if you ever screw up and there's ever anything that ever goes wrong. It's always going to go against you no matter what. And that is the standard that we have for police in this country, that there's no such thing as an accident. There's no such thing as context. And that's what I'm asking for here is context. In the situation, if you take it and put it into context, I do not believe she is a murderer. I do believe she made a mistake. But we treated her like a murderer. And my point is, that is exactly why I would tell my three sons, you do not want to be a police officer right now in this country. I agree with that. I agree with that. Totally. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we, give, we give the benefit of the doubt to the bad guy now every time. And we give no, we give no benefit to the police officer in America right now in this country. We have dehumanized and demonized the police to the point where they are now the bad guy. I agree. Point taken. And, you know, my my intent is not to say that we, we you know, that's not happening. My intent is I just don't want to go too far the other way where you know we're we're excusing. But what, what, here's my question, John. Like what is too far the other way? Do I think she? I didn't say. And if you notice in my monologue, I did not say that I thought she should just immediately walk. I'm okay with six months, a year, something like that. Okay, for that. That's. A, I mean, it's. A, yeah, she took someone's life. But there should be context, and I don't believe that she should be treated like she's a murderer. I, I agree. I think it should be objectively looked at objectively, based on like you just you just laid it out with a lot of different factors involved. It all needs to be considered. The totality of the circumstances. That's what that's what it all should be based on. That's what, Bingo. That's what we base criminal prosecutions on. That's and totality that's the and that's and that's my point. I appreciate the phone call. Thank you, sir. One eight seven seven three eight one. 3811 Ben Ferguson filling in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. If you're the praying type, but during the break, I just found out Mr. Producer is in serious trouble. He hasn't gotten any of his Christmas shopping done. That's on him. So anyway, you might want to pray for his fate tonight. Welcome back. It is the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one. I, I'm only kidding. You're almost done, right? Are you, are you almost done? 
Almost. You're just waiting on a few FedEx and eBay packages. All right. Good luck with that. And we'll see how Biden's economy treats you. I have a feeling it's not going to be very good for you. Speaking of Biden's economy, we're going to be talking about that coming up at the bottom of the hour, how delusional people have become about, hey, people, I actually had somebody say to me today on social media, and if you want to send me a message, you can. Uh, I'm on Getter, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, on all of them, the, the, the Facebook, what's the other one, Parlor, Ben Ferguson Show, Ben Ferguson Podcast. I did a podcast earlier this week about the economy, and I said, do you blame, it was a simple question, do you blame Biden for this economy? I was shocked how many people said no, and they actually blame COVID. I couldn't believe it. I, I, and I did an entire podcast on why it's not COVID's fault. The economy, like the economy and COVID are not really connected anymore. And I'll give you a brief synopsis of that coming up in just a moment. But before we get to that, I want to go back to this other problem. And that is we've dehumanized the police. Crime is out of control in this country. Now we're locking up police officers like Kim Potter for accidental shootings just because it's like we're trying to get revenge for all the things that bad cops have done in the past. You have two elected officials have been carjacked at gunpoint. One in Illinois, one in Pennsylvania this week. This week, folks. This week, all these elected officials that were woke and defund the police, now they're all like, oh, hold on a second. We think we do, we, we do deserve there to be safety and security in our town. So now we're all about, like, fighting crime. You're the guys that did this. Police who demanded her keys and took off. Five people were later caught driving her vehicle by state police in Delaware and arrested. Scanlon releasing a statement. The congresswoman was physically unharmed. She thanks the Philadelphia Police Department for their swift response and appreciates the efforts of both the sergeant at arms in D.C. and her local police department. Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney also tweeting, everyone deserves to feel safe in our city and sadly that hasn't always been the case this year. It's disheartening and infuriating the criminal feel emboldened to commit such a reckless crime in the middle of the day. And the stats back up the mayor's sentiment. There have been 540 murders so far this year. That's up 13% from last year and just under 4,000 shootings. That's a 5% increase over a year. Now, despite the uptick, Philadelphia leaders have denied there's a crime problem. There is not a big spike in crime. That is not true. There is also not a big spike in violent crime. Neither one of these things is true. Basically, we don't have a crisis of lawlessness. We don't have a crisis of crime. We don't have a crisis of violence. And just hours after Scanlon's ordeal, another lawmaker carjacked in a Chicago suburb. Illinois Senate Majority Leader Kimberly Lightford and her husband also robbed of their vehicle at gunpoint. In a statement, they say, I am thankful. She says, I am thankful that my husband and I are alive and physically unharmed. I'm trying to process the trauma of what happened. I want to thank the Broadview Police Department for their quick and thorough response. It's amazing how fast they're thanking the police now, isn't it? Oh, now that I'm carjacked, please go find the bad guys. Now that someone put a gun to my head, please, please go find the bad guys. Hypocrisy. That's what this is. Hypocrisy. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one. We'll be right back. Mark LeFan Show, the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now, 877 381 3811.
All right. Welcome back. It is nice to have you with us uh, today. Mark Levin, uh, relaxing a little bit before Christmas. I'm Ben Ferguson filling in for him. It's always an honor to fill in for the great one. And I have a question I want to ask each and every one of you. Who do you blame for the economy right now? There are two options I'm going to give you. And I genuinely want to hear from each and every one of you. Do you blame Joe Biden and his administration, their policies, for what's happening in our economy? Or do you blame COVID? The media and the Biden administration want you to believe that they have nothing to do with everything that's bad happening with the economy right now, that this is all the fault of COVID. All the fault of COVID. Now, I'll take your phone calls on this. one 381 You can also send me your comments on Getter, Parler, Telegram, on Facebook, on Twitter. I want, I want you to tell me, each and every one of you, send me a note or call me, and I want to know if you blame Joe Biden and why, or do you blame COVID? Now, the White House has moved into a new level of holding us hostage. Joe Biden has said in an interview that he believes that if you don't give him the Build Back Better plan, that you deserve what you get. If we don't pass Build Back Better, we should prepare for rate hikes and potential significant pain for the American people. That is what he had to say in this ABC News exclusive one-on-one sit-down with President Joe Biden. Yes, pain. During this interview on ABC World News Tonight, President Joe Biden said that Americans should be prepared for economic pain. So what are we experiencing right now? That's the follow-up question that should have been asked by ABC News. Of course, they didn't have the cojones to do that. He says you should should prepare for economic pain. Has he not looked at inflation right now? He said the Federal Reserve... We'll have to, you know, do what they do with interest rates and have interest rate hikes before things improve if we don't pass the bill back better. So in other words, if you don't give me what I tell you you have to give me, which is the bill back better propaganda socialist tyrant's plan, then you're going to get what you deserve, which is a terrible economy. Host of Muir asked, quote, the Fed just indicated that they might have to raise interest rates up to three times in the coming year just to slow things down, referring to inflation. That sounds like Americans should be preparing for potential, potentially more pain before this gets better. Of course they need to. Biden's answer, well, if we don't pass Bill back better, I think they're right. So in other words, not my fault. None of this has to do with me. But if we do, 17 Nobel laureates in the economy said it's going to bring down inflation if we pass what I'm talking about. So spend trillions of dollars on port bill spending, and then it won't be that painful for me because I'm so old, you know, eventually when this crap has to get paid back, it's going to be on you, the kids and the grandkids. I'll be long gone. I don't care. Which seems to be the mentality of virtually everybody in Congress right now. I don't have to pay for any of this. Biden on Americans feeling the pain of inflation. Here's how he described what you're feeling right now. Inflation at a 40-year high in the U.S. 
unemployment has come down. Gas prices have come down 10, 11 cents or so since because you tapped, I, in, I made sure you they, tapped into the strategic yeah. reserve. I know that. By the way, that's not why the prices went down. When they tapped into the strategic reserve, and, and, and Muir knows this, and this is why these guys are nothing more than propagandists. For the, for the, they're no different than the Chinese communist media. Okay, these these are ABC. There is there is no independent journalism anymore coming from the big three. They are nothing but propagandists for the tyrants who are in charge, which is Joe Biden, because everybody saw that the prices after he released two and a half day supply of oil for the strategic oil reserves, the prices actually went up. The only reason why prices have come down 10 cents a gallon is because fewer people are now traveling and and more people are staying home because of Omicron. The demand has diminished around the world very quickly because of Omicron. So it's not hard to figure this out. Talk to any analyst in the area that we're de- describing and talking about right now. They'll tell you the same thing. Any energy analyst is not saying, man, Joe Biden releasing two and a half days of oil, our consumption in this country it had any impact on the actual price of the pump coming down 10 cents. It's absurd. But there it is, ABC News pushing the propaganda of the government. But American families are feeling this. They are. And we have to acknowledge that. Inflation of 40-year high. The Fed just indicated that they might have to raise interest rates up to three times in the coming year just to slow things down. That sounds like Americans should be prepared for potentially more pain before this gets better. Yeah. Yeah. And Joe Biden has to offer, well, if you don't give me what I told you you got to give me, which is the Build Back Better plan and spending trillions of your dollars, then I'm sorry, folks, but it's going to hurt. Not my fault. It's Congress's fault, right? Pivot there. No accountability for the White House. We, you know, we've done everything perfect. None of these policies are our policies that are failing. This is all just, but if you don't give me any of the policies I demand while I'm the president, then it is your fault. It's Congress's fault. It's a, and again, the Democrats are in control, right? I'll go back to my simple question for you. The White House wants you to believe that if anything's wrong, it's either A, Congress's fault, or really, it's COVID's fault. How is this not the fault of Joe Biden? I, I, I'll even say it a different way. Donald Trump didn't even have a vaccine when he was president and he was able to keep things going in the economy. Donald Trump had the whole entire economy literally shut down and he still figured out a way to keep things going. This guy has had every weapon, including multiple trillion dollar, okay? But, you know, bills that have passed and he's still screwing up the economy. I mean, thank goodness Jimmy Carter, and I mean this seriously, has been able to live a long life because he was going to go down in history as the worst president ever. Now he's not. It's going to be Joe Biden. Well done, Jimmy Carter. You hang around long enough and somebody else can screw it up more than you did in the late 70s. Let me get to your phone calls. one 381 3811 And again, uh, send me your messages. I want to know what you think. Do you blame Biden? Or do you blame COVID for all of this? Let me go to Fred in Los Angeles, line three. You're on the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in tonight. Hello. 
Hi, Ben. First, I want to thank you and Mark for the, getting the message out. This is definitely, in my opinion, a Biden issue. Uh, when you have 11 months, that, that short period of time to have this drastic an increase, it, it's ridiculous. Um, my wife and I, we both commute a lot. And, you know, if you can't understand how fuel is tied to everything, it's the energy issue to me. So what it's worth is, and, then, and I'm also a retired police officer, so in your previous segment, uh, God, I could, I could talk forever, but uh, God bless you and Mark for your, uh, getting the message out. Thank you, sir, and thank you for protecting and serving and, and serving all of us the way that you did. Uh, I, I, I tell people all the time, you see a police officer out, walk up to them, shake their hand, buy their dinner, because you guys deserve it, especially with all the crap you're taking. Thank you, Fred. Good to talk to you. Let me go to Eric in Springfield, Missouri. You're on the Mark Levin Show. Hi, Eric. How are you? I'm great. Hey, Ben. You guys do a great job. I love uh, the show and everything you guys do. Thank you. Like to get on point. Um, I don't know what, you know, he thinks he can more he can do to us. I mean, we was uh, living pretty well when uh, Trump left office and he shut down everything. And, and you know, I mean, we was in COVID uh, when he took office. And, you know, the, the worst part of it had already gone. We were starting to get back to normal when he came into office. So, I mean, as, as much normal as you can. And like they said, you know, well, we were no- getting we were getting back to, I think, what we could refer to as the is the new normal. Yeah. Right. And, and, and what Donald, you know, what Donald Trump understood was you got to get people back to work. You can't just shut everything down forever. And what Donald and, and what Joe Biden, and the Democrats, said is they, I think they saw an opportunity. They said, hold on a second. We can get everybody dependent on us. We can literally get everyone dependent on us. We can we can send out government money, right? We can send out this cash. And if we do it and we send out this money and this cash, then people will stop working. They'll become lazy. We'll give them extra money. Hell, we'll give them more money than they were making when they went to work. And we'll totally decimate the economy. And then these people will be dependent on us like modern-day slaves. We will get them addicted to to our form of control and also poverty. And that's exactly what they've done. Why do you think we have such a hiring crisis in this country right now? You, you can't have it both ways. You know, the president was trying to claim that, look at these great unemployment rates. Well, then why is it that everybody's begging for actual employees? Right. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, why, why, why is it? I mean, why is it now that people are begging for employees? I own a small business. The, it is impossible to find employees right now that want to work. It's impossible to find not only employees that want to work, but it's impossible to find employees that, that, that are willing to not stick a gun to your head as an employer and say, what are you going to give me? Right? Like they know, good employees right now know they own the market. You can, they can go, they can have insane demands. They cannot show up for work. They can show up late. They can pull all the shenanigans because who are you going to find to replace them? And they figured it out. So the quality of work has drastically reduced compared to what it used to be because there are people now that are having to compromise their business integrity just to keep the doors open. And meanwhile, they're like, oh, everything's great in the economy. Everything's amazing in the economy. Nothing's wrong. Look at the unemployment rate. It's down. You should all be so excited about where this, you know, how things are right now and how amazing they are. They're not amazing. 
You just have a bunch of people that aren't being counted because they've literally said, I'm not looking for a job because I get enough free crap from Biden that I don't want to go back to work. So stop asking me. I'm not unemployed. I'm purposely not working. And once you decide you're purposely not working, meaning you're purposely not looking for a job, you fall off the unemployment line. And that's the issue. It's destroying this country. Thank you, sir. Good to talk to you. one 381 3811 Much more about this coming up. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one. Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. I love the notes coming in from some of you. Welcome back. It is the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one. One of of you just wrote in. I I just, this one makes me happy. Tay says, Donald Trump couldn't win re-election because COVID was such a problem for him. Of course, the economy is directly related to COVID. Joe Biden has done everything right. You just won't admit it. You blank. Great argument. Joe Biden, by the way, did run for president saying, I will be the one that stops and ends COVID, right? He said that Donald Trump couldn't handle it. Donald Trump was doing uh, a terrible job. Now he's trying to blame everything literally on COVID. So which one is it? Now you look at where the economy is. There was a a headline yesterday. I'm going to read this headline to you. This is actually from, of all places, this is from CNN. CNN's headline yesterday said Biden's economic ratings are worse than Carter's. That's on CNN, the Chinese Communist News Network. President Joe Biden is struggling in the minds of the American public. While his approval rating is down on a slew of issues, his difficulties are perhaps most noticeable on the economy. Biden now sports the lowest net economic rating of any president at this point in their first term in office. That is a CNN headline. Well, hey, got to blame something. Let's blame COVID. Couldn't be the fact that we haven't figured out how to get the people back working. Couldn't be the fact that every one of our decisions has made for the price of goods to go through the roof, including gas. I don't care who you are. Go to a gas station right now and look at the price and don't tell me that doesn't hurt the poorest Americans more than anyone else. It does. It hurts the poorest Americans more than anybody else, and everybody knows it. And when Democrats act like they don't understand what's going on, when Democrats sit there and they're like, oh, it's not our fault, you shut down the Keystone Pipeline. You're the ones that shut down literally everything. You're the ones that did this, folks. They did it on purpose. They decided we're going to undo everything that Trump did, which gave us a stable economy. But you have to understand something about Democrats. They need people dependent on them to get reelected. That's why I think they're purposely trying to bankrupt this country right now. I think Democrats are spending money like crazy, not because they're trying to save themselves, because I think they actually understand that if we have a bad economy, they have power. The scariest part about Donald Trump's presidency, the reason why they tried to frame him for committing crimes that they that he didn't commit. In fact, crimes they actually tried to frame him 
Look at the look look at what's going on right now with the Durham investigation. Hillary Clinton, who did an interview the other day about thinking about maybe running for president again. What was Hillary Clinton? She knew that the dossier was crap. She's the one that bought for it, paid for it, paid the writers to write it. And she knew when they were trying to impeach Trump, not once, but twice over Russian collusion, that the whole thing was a farce because it was her team, her lawyers and her money that paid for it. We know that. They were trying to overthrow the will of the people. And the reason why they were so terrified of Donald Trump is because people under Donald Trump were doing well by themselves, not because of the government. The government got out of their way and let them be successful on them on their own merits. Democrats had to come up with a way to get rid of Donald Trump, even if that meant lying, even if that meant overthrowing the people and the voters. You want to talk about an insurrection? What the Democrats did with the, with, with Russian collusion, that was an insurrection. When you try to frame a sitting president and you impeach a president knowing that what you're impeaching him on is crap, Adam Schiff knew it was crap. Hillary Clinton knew it was crap. They didn't stop it. They went forward anyway, no matter what. And the reason why they went forward was very simple. They had to get rid of him because he was, he was destroying their base. You had the lowest unemployment rate for African Americans in history, the lowest unemployment rate for Asian Americans, the lowest unemployment rate for Hispanic Americans. They, this guy was a threat to their power and their base. That's why they had to get rid of him. It didn't matter if he won the election. They had to overthrow him. They had to. And there's been no accountability for it yet. Hopefully Durham's going to get there. Because these people are evil. And to blame COVID for the problems in the economy, I don't think the American people are going to put up with this crap much longer. I really don't. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Grab my podcast. Love to keep up with you more. Coming up. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker. Somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building. We've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, get ready in the new year. It looks like you're going to be losing more of your rights and more of your freedoms unless you comply with... This administration, Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one, Mark Levin, Joe Biden. They're now slowly playing it out. And I'm going to warn you what's going to happen. They are deciding full out. They're going to divide this country into two different groups of people. If this sounds like history and sounds familiar to a place called Germany, you'd be right. In 2022, your rights are only going to be given to you by this administration if you concede to their demands. They've set it up. They've made it very clear. The White House has made it clear that this is what's coming and they're not even hiding it any longer. They're telling you straight up that this is what is going to happen. You need to pay attention, by the way, because the media is acting like this is normal. Now, They're also going to change the way that they allow people to do certain things like travel. They're prepping you for changing how you have to 
do certain things to even get on a flight. They were going to let you have Christmas because they realized it was just going to be too damning to them and their approval rating. Now, remember, this isn't about saving lives. This is about ultimate control and power over you. That's what this is about. This is not about saving lives. Understand that. They knew that they needed to let you fly at Christmas time because you would have just been too angry if they did this before Christmas. So they were going to let you have Christmas. Now, the data shows that actually flying because the filtration system on airplanes is one of the safest places to be. If you look at the actual data and you talk to experts, many believe you shouldn't have to wear that mask even on the airplane because the filtration system is so damn good. In the airport, you could debate it. We've also been told now from medical experts with the Omicron variant that the masks that 99.9% of us are wearing are, wearing are nothing more than decorative face masks. They're not doing anything for us, and we'll deal with that in a moment. But this Omicron variant, and it's a, it's a, it's a question that needs to be asked. It's actually funny because if you're a golf fan, you're going to love this. This was a tweet that went out earlier that caught my attention from Phil Nicholson. On Twitter, he asked a a question that I do think is a legitimate question. And he was his point was like, look, no one freak out on me. I'm just asking a question. Now, of course, people freaked out on him, right? Of course, they went nuts at him asking a question. He said, and this is from one hour ago. He said, serious question. Since I'm not a doctor, if Omicron is contagious, but not deadly, 25,000 plus cases in Africa with no deaths. Why try and control it? Why not let it go and let people get it and develop immunity? Question mark. Especially for those who won't get vaccinated? Question mark. Please, no hate. I'm just curious. Now, of course, you know what happened. People started losing their minds and screaming and going nuts. How dare you say people should, you know, get COVID on purpose? And what's wrong with you? You must get vaccinated. You're anti-vax, yada, yada, yada. And this is Phil Nicholson saying, I'm not a doctor. I'm just asking a logical question. Democrats don't like these kind of questions. I have no idea, by the way, if Phil Nicholson is a conservative or a Democrat. I just know he's a really good golfer. And I like him. I think he's entertaining. I think he's fun. But the question he's asking and the hate that's coming his way for asking a question that everybody else, I think, should be asking tells you where we are in this country with the intolerant left that demand that you do whatever they tell you to do. And then once you do it, they will give you your rights back. Which means they took your rights from you. And that brings me back to the Biden audio. You're no longer going to have the rights to do anything in the new year if you're unvaccinated. We are divided into two different groups of people, the leopards of society, those who are unvaccinated deserve death and destruction and pain and suffering, and those, the chosen ones. Take a listen. Mr. President, let me ask you about uh, just getting on a plane in this country. We're seeing millions travel home for the holidays, um, filling the airports and getting on these planes. Have you considered requiring passengers in this country to be vaccinated to get on flights? It's been considered, but the recommendation I've gotten is not necessary. Even with Omicron? Even with Omicron. That's the recommendation I got so far from the team. So far. You notice that, right? So far. Well, get ready, because the medical experts, they're already changing their tune significantly. In fact, MSNBC's medical analyst, Dr. Gupta, not to be confused with Sanjay Gupta over at the Chinese Communist News Network, has already decided to float the idea that now is a time 
to place lower priority on unvaccinated patients. So if you go to the hospital and you're unvaccinated, you do not deserve quality care. What you deserve is what you get. I know just off the top of my head, at least a half dozen people who've gotten COVID who are vaccinated, but who got it in settings where they were around mixed groups or where, where people were not necessarily unvaccinated or not necessarily vaccinated. So the unvaccinated are spreading this thing and it's mutating. Let's be frank, because of the unvaccinated. OK, there's the division. You hear that right there? You're the leopards. You don't get vaccinated. And what is the definition now of being vaccinated, unvaccinated? It means if you don't get that booster, right? We've already changed the meaning, folks. We've already decided that even if you got the two, the first two, and you don't get the the third one, you're now part of the problem. And we know it's all your fault, so we should just let you kind of, you know, die and suffer. You should lose all of your rights because you're selfish. You're spawn of Satan. We're going to ostracize you, and we're going to not allow you to go different places or do different things. Look at Boston's mayor. You're not welcome in that city right now unless you're vaccinated. You're not allowed to go out. You're not allowed to do things. Even if you're 12 years old, if you're unvaccinated and don't show your passports, right? Don't show your card. Again, insert World War II, a guy named Hitler in Germany. You're not welcome among us. You hear MSNBC Joy Reid saying this. She's setting it up perfectly. We all know it's the unvaccinated. Uh, Again, explain to me this then. MSNBC, explain to me how you guys following all your rules have still not been able to get this thing under control, and then therefore you demand that you have more control over us while it's still not working. Explain to me why places that have not had mass mandates and shutdowns and all the other crap that you want to mandate on us actually have lower death rates, lower hospitalization rates than liberal cities do. You guys act like you have a plan for success, but even where you've implemented, it's still been a failure. Look at the rate, the cases of Omicron in New York. Look at the cases in San Francisco. Look in L.A. Look in entire states where you have liberal governors that have shut down and destroyed economies like Michigan, and it still didn't work. Look at states that have a very high vaccination rate, and it's still not working. So now you want to do even more and you want to blame the unvaccinated and you want to take away all of their rights because they're the worst people in the world. So I'm running out of ideas about what to do if people are refusing to protect themselves and other people. There is you hear that right now. You're now we're going to demonize you. I'm running out of ideas how to deal with these people that refuse to protect others. So now what do we do? Stats out today that we're talking about. Let me find this here. Um, 140 new COVID infections, 140 million new COVID infections to the U.S. in the next two months, according to the latest model. 140 million new cases. There's your fear-mongering. Enormous spread of Omicron may bring. This is USA Today headline, right? Because fear sells. And if you freak out people to go get vaccinated, then they know that that's the, you know, some people go out and get vaccinated. Same thing that happened with Omicron day one when we found out about this when South Africa warned the world, something that China never did. And they immediately said, rush out, you better get a vaccine. We may run out, hoping that they could fearmonger people because I think they already knew at that point that this thing wasn't as deadly as Delta, 
this thing was going to not be as bad. Yes, it may spread quickly. Yes, it may be highly infectious. Yes, more people may get it, but the death toll is not going to be anywhere close to what we've seen with the first COVID and then the Delta variant. So they had a very small window to freak you out and make you go get vaccinated, which is exactly what the USA Today is doing with this new propaganda piece. Their headline, this is pure government propaganda. This is not based in fact. Enormous spread of Omicron may bring 140 new co- million new COVID infections to the U.S. in the next two months. Model predicts. Well, I've got another model that predicts that you guys are a bunch of idiots. I, I, I mean, I'll just let you comment because I don't know what we do at this point. Honestly, Dr. Gupta, I don't know what else to do. Here's your doctor expert. You ready for this? Good evening, Joe. It's great to be here with you and Dr. Watts. I mean, what I will say here is I think we have to move away from this paradigm of even thinking about caseloads day over day. Because Caseloads day after day. We got to move away from that, right? We got to move away from it. Why do we need to move away from it? He's going to explain that. It's overwhelming. It's psychologically depressing. It's discouraging. And really thinking about for the vaccinated, the triple vaccinated, are there serious breakthrough illnesses that are landing in Dr. Watts's hospital or in my ICU? and really following that metric, number one. So I think we have to frame shift here because these vaccines, like the flu shot, will mitigate the risk of severe illness. They do that really well. They won't prevent a positive test. So psychologically shifting that frame, critical. To your point, what can we do moving forward? I am really encouraged that the Sixth uh, Circuit Court of Appeals removed the stay on the Department of, of, of Labor's uh, order to private employers to say either do a weekly test or mandate the vaccine. That is gonna have traction here. Number one, so we're going to see more movement in the private sector. And then I, I do think negative incentives, whether it's a vaccine mandate in the workplace or, and this is where it gets controversial, but we need to start talking about this, the bioethics of it broadly, because this is not the last respiratory pandemic we're going to face, Joy. What do we do with somebody who's unvaccinated, who's taking advanced ICU therapies from somebody who is vaccinated in the hospital? How do we rank right. order that priority? You hear this? How do we rank order? So in other words, you come in, you're unvaccinated. You're one of the unclean ones. You're one of the leopards in society. We don't try to save your life first. We try to save the life of someone else that's suffering who was vaccinated because they did what we told them to do. This is a guy who's in charge of an ICU that's saying this. When I say God help us all, I mean it. God help us all. Imagine going in the hospital and you make a decision for whatever reason. Whatever it may be, whatever reason. Okay, whatever reason. To not get vaccinated. And this is what they do to you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what would happen? Can you imagine them looking at you and saying in the hallway, having discussion, hey, 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 room, that ICU room right there. She she didn't get the jab or she didn't get the booster. Yeah, we're going to let her go. She's not our priority. The other side is our priority. She's not our priority. one 381 I'll get your reaction to all this. Ben Ferguson filling in for Mark Levin. You can find me on social media parlor twitter telegram and grab my podcast ben ferguson podcast wherever you get your podcasts we'll be right back Mark Levin.
Welcome back. It is the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in tonight. And we just got some breaking news that apparently the Biden administration, the same administration that is uh, saying we're going to have death and destruction for those that are unvaccinated. You're going to lose your rights if you are unvaccinated. The same administration that's so stupid they didn't even have rapid testing available when they knew there was a very good chance that there would be another variant that would need major testing because it would be more deadly or more contagious. We're now being told through a whistleblower that the Biden administration actually apparently rejected a plan for 732 million tests a month in October to cope with a holiday COVID surge that many warned was coming. White House Press Secretary, Press Secretary Jen Psaki is now attempting to defend presence in action by insisting there wasn't the demand at the time. So therefore, there was no reason to do it. This is not a joke. Press Secretary, again, saying she had to clean up for her boss's remarks on the Omicron COVID variant. President Biden said on Wednesday night that the new Omicron variant caught the government by surprise. Jen Psaki then said no one knew there would be the would be the number of different variants. That's I mean, if you didn't know that, you're an idiot because the CDC even warned you guys about it. Nobody knew exactly how transmissible they would be when asked about Biden conceding the federal response wasn't good enough. Well, you were warned that they thought that each variant would be probably worse, not better. It was revealed hours later that the Biden administration was presented with a plan to avoid today's scenario that we're dealing with. An administration official said the plan was rejected at the time because it was, quote, too big for available resources. They didn't even say, let's try. They just said no. Biden now claiming no one could have seen the highly contagious new strain coming or spreading so fast. Well, then why is it that the CDC warned about it? His own past remarks contain warnings about the possibility of new strands, in fact. And on multiple occasions, Biden had promised to improve testing infrastructure and invest federal dollars into better access. That included a plan introduced in September to invest $2 billion in 280 COVID rapid tests for people, and they said no. By the way, it's not even known how many, how many of Biden's newly announced 500 million tests will be immediately available or how quickly they can be shipped out to Americans that want them. Amazon, Walgreens, CVS impose limits on how many tests can be purchased because of the shortage. But despite the, the gloom, the new British studies over Omicron severity give Biden, who has promised no lockdowns, fresh optimism, the White House is now saying. So let's go back to the you are not one of the chosen ones. MSNBC medical analysts saying it's time to place lower priority on the unvaccinated patients when they come into our emergency rooms. Once we're going to see more movement in the private sector. And then I, I do think negative incentives, whether it's a vaccine mandate in the workplace or and this is where it gets contra- negative incentives. Did you hear that? And then this doctor says or. It's going to get controversial. Controversial, but we need to start talking about this, the bioethics of it broadly, because this is not the last respiratory pandemic we're going to face, Joy. What do we do with somebody who's unvaccinated, who's taking advanced ICU therapies from somebody who is vaccinated? Let them die, folks. Let them die. That's where we're going. This is this administration. These people are sick and evil. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one. We'll be right back. 
The Mark Levin Show, where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Get ready for it in the new year. It is coming. It is going to happen. To all those people who have not been vaccinated, these are the exact words of the President of the United States of America, Joe Biden, you have an obligation to yourselves, to your family, and quite frankly, and I know I'll get criticized for this, to your country, get vaccinated. What happens if you don't? Well, here's the Merry Christmas message from the White House. It's on whitehouse.gov. If you don't believe me, go look at it. For the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. So if you do overwhelm those hospitals, what should happen to you? They're already planning your demise, folks. MSNBC medical correspondent Gupta, Dr. Vin Gupta, said on Joy Reid's show that that he believes... We really need to have a real conversation now about do we give resources to those that refuse to get vaccinated when they come into the hospital? They do that really well. They won't prevent a positive test. So psychologically shifting that frame, critical. To your point, what can we do moving forward? I'm really encouraged that the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals removed the stay on the Department of, of, of Labor's Uh, order to private employers to say either do a weekly test or mandate the vaccine. That is going to have traction here, number one. So we're going to see more movement in the private sector. And then I I do think negative incentives, whether it's a vaccine mandate in the workplace or, and this is where it gets controversial, but we need to start talking about this, the bioethics of it broadly, because this is not the last respiratory pandemic we're going to face, Joy. What do we do with somebody who's unvaccinated, who's taking advanced ICU therapies from somebody who is vaccinated in the hospital. How do we rank right. order that priority? We do it for organs, kidneys, livers, lungs. We say, did you smoke? Did you drink recently? If you did, you're lower on the list, even if you need it. We need to start thinking of that model, have bioethics around it, a framework, because this is not going to be the last respiratory pandemic we face. Yeah. Joy, we also... Well, yeah. I love this. Bioethics, folks. There it is. Yeah. We got to start thinking about this. We got to prioritize those that submit to what we say is acceptable, to what we say is morally right, to what we say is appropriate in society. You get priority. You get a lung. You get a heart. You get a kidney. You get a liver. And if you don't comply with what we tell you, you get death. You get destruction. You get pain. You get suffering. This is why I will never vote for a Democrat leader. Because this is what they do. I never will vote for somebody, by the way, that advocates for killing an unborn child. Because if you will advocate for killing an unborn child, if you will demand the right to kill an unborn child, then, then, then why would I expect anything different from you when it comes to rationing care for adults, which is exactly what they just described. You know, liberals always say, oh, conservatives are crazy when it comes to slippery slope argument. <laughs> Here it is in real life, folks. When the you-know-what hits the fan, well, we're going to pick and choose who gets to survive. We'll describe it as bioethics and say we're right and you're wrong and you don't get life-saving care. And if this doctor is willing to say this out loud about his ICU at his hospital out loud right now, you don't think some of this is going on right now around the country? 
You don't think there's some woke liberal doctors out there that are deciding who gets quality care and who gets to suffer because the people that didn't do what they demanded, which was get vaccinated or boosted, deserve a little bit more pain? If you don't think there's people out there that are doing this right now quietly in the hallway saying, hey, lady in three, she's an anti-vaxxer. You're an idiot. This dude just said on national TV. He said it on national TV and he felt comfortable enough to say it because that means probably behind the scenes. This has been going on for quite some time. Hey, you got one of those those MAGA people in room five over there. Unvaccinated. Really suffering in there. You got somebody that got vaccinated in the room next door. You don't think they're picking and choosing who gets quality care? Some of these psychopaths who were not allowed to question or ask anything of. And you can't you can't recommend any treatments. You can't say, I want to try hydroxychloroquine. Nope. You can't tell them that you want to do antibodies. Nope. You can't tell them anything. You must submit to what they tell you they will or won't do for you. Sounds a lot like communism, doesn't it? These are the same people that told you, oh, we'll give you Obamacare. And remember that conversation? You like your doctor, you get to keep your doctor. How'd that work out for us? You like your plan, you get to keep your plan. How'd that work out for us? You're going to get great quality care. How'd that work out for us? You're not going to have to wait to get see a specialist. How did that work out for us? Trust me, it's not going to backlog the system. How'd that work out for us? Are you paying attention yet, folks? Do you understand what's happening? They're moving into the new year and they are going to choose who survives and who doesn't. Who gets quality care and who doesn't. Who gets to go to school and who doesn't. Who gets to go to work and who doesn't. Who gets to fly and who doesn't. Reese in California. You're on the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson with you. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing good. Um, I was just listen, just been listening for the past hour um, or two, and uh, just there's been a lot of things you've been saying, and um, I just have a question. Um, so, what when the priority list in terms of who gets treatment or who doesn't? Um, the people who were unvaccinated, it was their choice, right? To be unvaccinated. Yes. Right. Um, so the people who are unvaccinated, uh, it was their freedom of choice, freedom of will, being able to do whatever they they choose. Um, and they're going into these hospitals and the people who and they're taking up these ICU beds who from people who have been vaccinated. Um, and what exactly it, it, they use it for the same examples of people that like you were just saying, people who are using um, priority listing for uh, internal organs, heart, cancer, things like that. People who have smoked in the past don't aren't, aren't on the prior, aren't as high up in the priority as people who haven't smoked because that's been a, that's been something that we've been doing for however long. And bioethics is a, just a fancy word for saying what if somebody is already in a critical condition because of the state and the handling of this pandemic throughout this country from both administrations. It, All right, and, let, me, and, let me, let me stop you there. I, I, I tried to give you a lot of time to get it out, but I got a, I got a couple questions. Are you in favor of a doctor's Hippocratic oath? 
Uh, excuse me? Are you in favor of the doctor's Hippocratic Oath? The Hippocratic Oath, could you explain that? It is the Oath of Ethics taken by physicians. It's one of the most widely known of Greek medical texts. In its origin, in its original form, it requires a new physician to swear by a number of things, specifically of ethical standards. And and it is and this is their oath. The oath was again written and it was sacred. It is still held sacred. It's supposed to be in the world, not just in America, by physicians to treat the ill to the best of one's ability to preserve a patient's privacy, to teach the secrets of medicine to the next generation, and to do no harm. There is nothing in there that says you get to decide who lives or die. You get to be God. You get to put your values on somebody else's life. You get to decide if this person is living a life the way that they should have been living their life. And if you don't agree with it, you get to decide if they die or not. Let me, let me, let me ask you another question, all right? Do you believe that someone that tries to kill themselves deserves to get medical care and counseling and deserves a chance to live if they can try to save that person's life? Well, first, let me answer the first let me, question. Let me, ask it, let, me ask it, let me ask it differently real quick. If a child comes into the hospital and that child's been in a car wreck and that child needs the medical attention and then another child comes in and that child tried to commit suicide, which child do you think deserves priority? Well, first, I got I to gotta answer your first question. Hold on, hold on. No, this are... is important. I want to go back to this because the core of what you're, what you're discussing right now. Do you believe you should, you should value one child's life over another person's life that's a child, another child's life in that scenario? These scenarios, this scenario, there are... You're not answering well, the question. It's are... not a, Reese, it's not a trick question. It's a simple question. If a child that's 14 years old tries to commit suicide and comes in with a gunshot wound, and another child comes in that's 14 years old that was in a car wreck, no fault of their own, which one deserves to get priority over the other? Do you believe there should be priority over the one over the other? Because one did harm to themselves and the other didn't. Should that child who comes in with a self-inflicted gunshot wound, should they go to the back of the line in that scenario? In this scenario, there isn't a giant pandemic, which ICU beds are there, there, a limited space. Throw it in the pandemic. There's a pandemic at the hospital. There's lack of resources. You have two people come in same age. One did harm to their own body, and the other did not. Does the child that tried to commit suicide deserve to go to the back of the line because the other beds are being taken up by people in a pandemic? Put it in the middle of a pandemic. I would love to talk. Okay, I'm trying to. So you put this in the middle of the pandemic. Who are taking up these ICU beds? That's the not the question of, I asked. We're cases? in the middle of a pandemic. I, I, this is the reason why you can't answer this question, Reese. And it's the reason why I asked this question of you. Because I knew that you wouldn't be able to answer it without your entire point of flawed logic about trying to value one life over another would immediately be exploded in your face. The rhetoric you were using, the logic you were using right now in front of countless Americans listening has just been undone because that, and that's why you will not answer this question. I think, I think I know, you know what, here's, here's the answer to this question. Here's the answer to this question. Depending on the circumstance, 
of the, uh, that situation. I just the, gave you the, the circumstance, who, it, and it's a simple question. I'm going to ask it for a last time. And if you don't answer it, I'm going to move on. We're in the middle of a pandemic. There's all these resources being used in the hospital. Two 14-year-old children come in the hospital the exact same moment. One has a self-inflicted gunshot wound, and the other one was in a car wreck, and they both need life-saving care. Should the person that did harm to themselves go to the back of the line, that child? If there are limited resources, I believe that... The person who the, the, the person who self-inflicted the pain deserves to be at the back of the line. Okay, I and, want to say this as kindly as I can say this, and I'm going to move on. You are what scares me in society. You are one of the worst people in the world if you think a 14-year-old deserves to die because they made a decision to take their own life and we could save that life. This is what's wrong with people like you in society. You literally just said that a 14-year-old should go to the back of the line for care because they made a mistake. This is why I don't trust liberals. You guys don't value life like we do. I value all life. You guys want to pick and choose. And you only value the life of those people that agree with you and what you believe in. You only value the life of people that you believe are like you. Where's the compassion for the 14-year-old that maybe was dealing with abuse, sexual abuse? Maybe they were dealing with abuse, physical abuse. Maybe they were being sexually assaulted by a family member and the pain and the suffering was so bad they decided to try to commit suicide and you just sent them to the back of the line. Maybe they've been bullied at school because of a disability. You don't care because it doesn't fit into your value set. You've made decisions that you value one person's life over another person's life because that person seems more like you. It's sick. It's evil. Ben Ferguson filling in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Ah, welcome back. Mark Levin Show, Ben Ferguson, filling in for the great one. It's been an honor to fill in for him tonight. I want to say to all you guys, Merry Christmas. Uh, I hope you get to spend some amazing time with your family and your friends and, uh, and, and get to remember exactly why we have Christmas. Not just about the gifts. It's about the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's been, an, like I said, an honor to fill in for him tonight. I'd love to keep up with you guys. I do a podcast, so if you want to listen, it's the Ben Ferguson Podcast, and you can find me on social media all over the place uh, on uh, all, the, all the normal sites, right? So Ben Ferguson Show or Ben Ferguson Podcast. Please keep up and follow me there on all of these sites. All right, I want to get straight back to your phone calls. If you just joined us, uh, now doctors are openly talking about on national TV rationing care to those who are unvaccinated to incentivize you to get vaccinated let me go to greg greg is a uh er doctor i've been told nice to have you with us on mark levin show hello hello how are you sir yeah i had just all oh, very good and just love uh the show and and the idea as far as god center um that last scenario that you brought up just boiled me because as an emergency physician that scenario would be one unethical two immoral and three just unconscionable 
We don't know what people's insurances or anything in that regard. We don't know um, what their vaccination uh, status is when we start taking care of them. And if they're really sick, you don't have time and you wouldn't take the time to ask that question. So, and the last thing. Well, and is, imagine this, you know, I was, and the reason why I pushed so hard on the last car is because I want people to understand this mindset is very real in this country right now. And doctors, there are some liberal doctors that truly believe this. And I'm like, all right, so what's next? Imagine if we would have done this during the HIV AIDS pandemic in this country. And we said, well, you know, you, you did something that you knew was probably going to get you AIDS. So you deserve it. Imagine what people would have thought then. Imagine if we said when you walk in the door and, and you've got a problem with diabetes, well, you're fat, you ate too much, and you knew it was going to happen, so we're going to ration care to you. Imagine if we said, well, you're poor and you made bad choices uh, and didn't save enough money and you don't have health insurance, so we're not going to give you life-saving care because you can't pay us. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally sad that they would go that route and even having been on ethics committees um yeah it's just it should not and cannot happen everyone needs but, to be but taken it is care happening of. that's that's the reason why i bring it up these doctors are going on national tv and saying we are at a point now where the unvaccinated uh are are such you know pain in our aws's that we need to start rationing care. Maybe that'll get their attention. Uh, I, I, there, there's no other way to say this, but that is that is pure evil. I'm out of time. God bless you guys. I'll keep up with you on my podcast. Thanks to Mark and Merry Christmas to all of you. See you back here again real soon.